All right. Let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on. Let's make our prayer declaration together. Say this with me. This is my Bible. God's holy word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be, and I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, I may know there's power in reflection. And looking back at 23, there's power there. But I may know there's also power in the expectation of what God wants to do in 2024. And I believe that God wants to do some things that have never been done before in 2024. Isaiah 43 tells us this in verses 18 and 19. He says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. And then verse 19 tells us why we shouldn't live in the past. It says, for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? For I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry waste land. So you can write this down. Our theme for 2022 or 2024. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm, getting, I'm getting old. I'm just glad I remember my age. <clears throat> anyway, our theme for 2024 is all things new. And uh, you're going to hear about different uh, words in the Greek and the Hebrew. But today, this word is the word kadash in the Hebrew. And it means fresh, never been done before, a new thing. And I believe God's going to do some new things that have never been done before in this next year. Now, how do we receive new things that God asks for us? Verse 18 gives us a key. It says, if you're going to receive the new, forget the former. Forget the former things. So what are the former things? Uh, in Isaiah 43, if you go back a few verses to verses 15 and 17, this is what it says. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your king. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. So he tells us to forget all that. But my question is, why would he tell us to forget something like that that was so amazing? And I want you to know, he's saying, because I'm going to do something new, can't you see it? So forgetting the former things in this context, God is actually talking about the victorious moment where he wiped out the Egyptian army to rescue them. And then he opened the Red Sea and he used Moses to lead them through the Red Sea with a stick. It's a shepherd's staff, okay. And once they were safely on the other side, the walls of water swallowed up Pharaoh and all his armies 
and they were snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. And he wants Israel to forget all that. Doesn't that seem kind of strange? I would think he'd want us to remember. But if you want to receive the new, uh, some of us, and you can write this down if you're taking notes, we need to not dwell on past victories and blessings. So I appreciated everything that happened in 2023. Uh, I think it's incredible what God has done for us. Uh, What he did for Israel was amazing as well. But he tells them to not let their minds or thoughts dwell on what he's done in the past. We appreciate it, but don't let your thoughts be consumed in your past victories and blessings, which means it's easy for some of us to get stuck in the good old days and have no room for the new. Another great verse I found this week is in Leviticus 26.10. It says this, you will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. Now, I want to take a few moments, probably longer than I should, but we're going to take some moments on this phrase, make room for the new. See, God is telling us people, if you want to receive the new, you're going to have to move out the old. He's saying, it's okay to remember God's blessings on last year, but to receive this year's blessings, you have to move out the old. You have to move it out and out of a permanent dwelling place in your mind and in your thoughts. Thank God for it, but don't live there. So God is doing something new that has never been done before in 2024. But you and I have to make room for it in our lives. A number of months ago, our lead team went away uh, for a few days to ask the Lord where he was taking us for 2024. And I invited Pastor Pastor Michael Hurley to come and uh, share with us who was from Life Church or is from Life Church in Oak Harbor. And uh, he, we learned a lot from what he shared and we prayed some more. And the best way I know how to put what God gave us for 2024 is making room for the new in 2024. And I realized since I just turned 70 that, see, I told you I knew my age, <laughs> that um, I have a love for the old stuff. I don't know about you, but how many are around 70 in here? Just raise your hand. Oh, a lot of you, okay. At least 10. All right, I like it. Well, anyway, my dad, as he got older, he had a love for the old stuff as well. And he had a couple record cases where he kept these old 78 records in our uh, closet, pinkies in my closet, in our bedroom. And every once in a while, he'd get nostalgic and he'd walk into the bedroom and want to listen to songs that were on the old vinyl records. How many remember vinyl records? Okay, that dates you right there. All right, so every once in a while as he's feeling nostalgic, uh, he gets out these records. And there's another part to the story, but you'll have to ask Pinky about it. But anyway, (laughs) he'd take out one and put it on his turntable record player out in our living room and just sit there and listen to songs by Gene Autry, Bing Crosby, Perry Como, Judy Garland, all these other ones. And now that I'm older, I get it. Because everything I just shared with you, uh, people who understand it, there was something tangible about it. Some of you young people have no idea what a vinyl record is, a turntable, or anything else. But I want you to know, there's something about it 
that you're holding versus this thing that has thousands of songs at your finger touch. But when you get my age, a lot of my generation likes the old stuff. So they don't like new things, and they certainly don't like change. My mother-in-law, who's 94, is just learning how to use a remote for her TV. <laughs> See, we like the oldies of my generation. We like the oldies songs. We like the Gaither Trio. Does anybody know who they are? No. Some of you are like, some of you guys have just stuff this dumbfounded looks on your face. All right. Anyway, they, they brought in a lot of the choruses that we sing as I was growing up. They wrote them and sang them. And we like the old church songs. But we also like Elvis. We like the Beatles, the Beach Boys, the Rolling Stones. How many remember them? Okay. Good. I'm seeing that. I'm getting a little bit of the younger people here. But here, truth is, you actually remember the words of the old songs, but can't figure out the words to the new songs because they're so wordy. I'm just saying. We like the old hymns. They have doctrine and they have substance in their words, and we think they are more spiritual. They're not, but we think they are. We like old cars. Let me, I think I have a picture of an old car up here. Uh, we'll see. We like the old cars. We don't have it. Okay. What do we have back there? No, just. <laughs> so Eric Linseth, I don't know if you know Eric, but Eric, Eric took a, a 1968 Malibu and restored it. And uh, uh, the thing I like about the old cars versus the new cars, they're made out of steel. They, you get in a wreck, they last. You're okay. Anyway, that's another one. So here's what you can write down about uh, uh, this generation. The challenge every generation faces is we try to hold on to the old to the exclusion of receiving the new. So this chapter in Leviticus, by the way, did I read Leviticus? I did, yes. In this chapter, Leviticus, it's about the Jewish people had always related to God through a covenant based on keeping the law through works. So the first half of this chapter is about keeping God's covenant and receiving his blessings. And as they obeyed and kept that covenant, God's promises, his prosperity, a surplus of their crops so much so that they would have to move out the old in order to receive the new. And it was just that way. I want you to hear this. It was that way for 1,500 years before Jesus. He, when Jesus comes on the scene, he dies as the Lamb of God on a cross, rises from the dead, and an entirely new system of worship to relate to God is introduced. And most didn't perceive it. Most of the Jewish people missed the new, and before we judge them too harshly, we often do too. Imagine with me for a moment that at one point, you and I had to atone for our sins by the blood of bulls, goats, lambs, and birds. And now, instead of trusting in the blood of an animal that you, have, you and your ancestors for generations have done, you are asked to trust in the blood of Jesus Christ. Some people believed he was the son of God. Not everybody did. So it's a very difficult thing to apprehend when you had something tactile something you could touch and now, and now have to believe this new approach to God by faith. I want you to hear it. Hear me on this. The paradigm of justification is what we call 
justification by faith, but it's actually justification by grace through faith. See, it's not how much faith that you have that saves you, it's how much grace God has that saves you. So, because it it was about how much, because it was about how much faith, I if it was about how much faith I have, uh, I I would be going to heaven once or twice a day, and then and then every once in a while my faith would wane, and I'd be going to the same hell as a murderer. So I want you to know, I don't always have that much faith. Sometimes it's high, sometimes it's low. But the point is this: it's not how much faith I have but who I have faith in, all right? Now, our Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, think about this. God's people are related to God through a covenant that was based on works, that was based on keeping the law. Now, in the New Testament, all of a sudden, these Jewish believers are learning to relate to God by faith, which is the hardest thing in the world to do. See, I think we talk a good talk about faith sometimes, and we tell others, just take it by faith. Just, if God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. But this new community of believers are now learning to relate to God in a brand new way. Turn to your neighbor and just tell him, make room for the new. And just about time, the time these Jewish leader believers are getting, I want you to hear this. So you got the church in the Old Testament. Now it becomes the church in the New Testament. It's by the work of the cross. It's done by grace. It's not by the, the, the works of blood, bulls, and goats, and all the, of the bulls and goats, but it's done by the blood of Christ. And what happens is these guys have their paradigm shifted from works to grace through faith. And the star of this New Testament, I just want you, is Peter. And Peter now, not only are they accepting grace through faith, a brand new situation, brand new paradigm, but now Peter is eating and drinking with Gentiles, which makes it, so it's, it's one thing and then it's another. And most of us say, you know, here's what they would say. We're going to now relate to God by faith. No more blood sacrifices because Jesus is the final lamb. And now Peter is associating with those dirty, heathen Gentiles. And some would say, if, uh, us, would say, that's wrong. Did you know it's easy to recognize a truth when you're not living in the tension of it? I want you to hear this one. It's easy for us to look back on certain issues of racial segregation and then say, why in the world would they treat that group of people this way or that way? But when you're living in the tension of it, you can lose sight of the truth. And in the tension of this new church, there is not only this tension of grace versus faith, but there's this exclusive idea that God is blessing a select group of people. And we do this all the time. We think God's blessing this church. We are special. 
Trust me, I've seen it a lot. And so what happens, uh, we, 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 here, here's what happens. This happens in the local church all the time. For instance, we want revival, right? And we want new people to come into our church as long as they're the people we want. Come on. I see it all. Lois and I and a bunch of us all went downtown yesterday and walked the city. Yeah, it was great. But I thought to myself, is this the people we want in our city? Went down to the homeless camp under the bridge by the river, and my wife and I both, we were walking along, and this one guy, very sweet guy. See, once you get to know them, they're pretty sweet. And Lois said, are you okay? And he goes, about six foot three or four, he goes, my feet hurt. And we got down on the sidewalk and touched his feet, prayed for him. I was hoping he shows up today. And I realized he's just got a very, very sweet spirit. But you can write this down as well. Our tolerance for tension determines our potential for growth. See, we... We don't want tension. We, we don't like tension when it comes to our own Christianity. If you hire a trainer at your favorite fitness center, they're going to at some point teach you about the gift of tension for the building of muscle. That's why I don't go to a fitness center. <laughs> My wife has this coach, and she keeps telling me, honey, you need to come and sign up and get this coach. I said, no, I don't. But if you hire a trainer and they do not employ tension for your training regimen, then you should get another trainer because you might want to write this down. It's not on your notes. Time under tension is the formula for growth. And this is where we get tested. Oh, yeah, we want three services. Sit one, serve one. Well, I'll sit one, but I really don't want to serve one. When it, comes to, when it comes to our movies, when it comes to TV and entertainment, we love tension. What makes a good movie? The tension. I don't want to watch a movie about somebody having a good day. I want to watch a movie where somebody's going to get destroyed and they overcome it. How about the new movie? How many have seen Boys in the Boat? I highly recommend it. I don't usually recommend movies, but I'm recommending this one. And I'm t- it's about, it's little, uh, one of the guys on the boat are from Montesano. And uh, it's a great movie about tension and resolve. I love the story about these boys that grow up in poverty, and one of them being from Montesano. One of them had a tough growing up and a tough dad. They all had tough coaches and had to fight to make it on the UW uh, rowing team and then make it to the Olympics and then stick it to Hitler. How many love that kind of story? And what makes for a good movie is the same stuff we try to pray away from our Christian lives. I love the story of, of Christians in this church who realized they needed God's grace on their lives and gave their lives over to Jesus as their Savior. And then they started reading God's word, got into small groups. They got some new friends. They started attending church regularly. They start showing up to prayer on Mondays and Wednesdays. And then they overcome marriage issues, divorce, drugs, alcohol, addiction, rejection, and failure. And then they stick it to the devil. That's the kind of people I like. I love those kind of stories because 
There's content with tension, and they overcame through faith and truth, and they got stronger and stronger as they grow. Now, I love these stories because I want my life to reflect that too. I haven't lived a Hallmark movie kind of life. And the problem with Hallmark, (laughs) they don't show you the tension. They don't show you the tension after tying the knot. They show you how wonderful it is. They're all having a good day and they end with a kiss. (laughs) See, falling in love is one thing, but you can't get the new until you get the old out of you. So God tricks us into getting married. (laughs) So he can get the old out of us. And then he can help you make room for the new. He's planned for the two of you. It's only taking Lois and I about 48 years, and I'm almost there. (laughs) Lois is a saint. She's been there for years. Thank you. I like that. See, what God allows to come into our lives can seem like a problem or opposition, but really, often, uh, often things God uses to create opportunities for you and me is to know him and then to make him known. That's what it's about. So what's crazy about Leviticus 26.10 is this. So it says, you're going to have to move out the old crops to make room for the new, is this. It can be interpreted as either a blessing or an inconvenience. And I think most of us understand this is the old covenant, but it is the same community that left Egypt and received the law of Moses, and then they relate to God like that for those 1,500 years, and then Jesus comes along, and the church is birthed, and we see the rest of the story in Acts 9, 10, 11, and God, in the midst of the story of the church, in this great tension, yet a great truth is shown. You know what the truths are? Grace with faith and to let the Gentiles into the church. Their tension became our blessing. Their inconvenience became our blessing. They replaced the old with the new, and we got blessed because of it. All right, moving on to number two. If you want the new, don't dwell on your past failures. We need to put our past failures behind us. Isaiah 43, 24 through 25. You have not brought any fragrant calamus for me or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. So he tells us how much we mess up and then he tells us he forgives us. That's pretty amazing. Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. So aren't you glad the east and the uh, west never meet? Yeah. Yeah. And what about his mercies? Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. If the last year was a failure after failure for you, I want you to know God's mercies are new 
every single morning. And I want you to know this. If you failed, learn from it, get up from it, and pursue the righteousness of God. And let me remind all of us, we have an enemy who pursues us, and he does it through two things. He brings temptation, and he also comes to remind us of our past. So Satan does not know your future, so he has to remind you of your past. And if he tries to tell you your future, he doesn't know it. He's a liar. So they're all wrapped in lies. So we need to forget the former things. Don't get stuck in the reminders of your past. And then Isaiah continues. He says this. If you want to make room for the new, write this down. We need to remember who God is. Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. Remember remember the former things. So it seems like a contradiction, by the way. Remember the former things. Those of long ago, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. So God tells us to forget the former things. And then in these verses, he tells us to remember who he is. And I just want you to know, I believe... uh, We need to remember our God is a God who's present in every situation. No matter what you're facing, our God is going to be there for you. Call on his name and he will be there. Isaiah describes him this way in Isaiah 46, 2 and 3. Listen to me, for you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born, even to your old age, and gray hairs, I am he, I am he who will sustain you. Uh, Oh yeah, gray hairs, I am he, okay. Anyway, I I can relate to that verse. All right, (laughs) I have made you and I will carry you and I will sustain you and I will rescue you. I don't know what you faced this last year, but I want you to know that whatever you face this year, you serve a God who's present and will always be there. He will uphold you with his right hand. He will rescue you from anything you're facing. Look at verses Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, not if, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So I don't know if you can tell, but I'm excited today. I'm excited because God is our God who's always been there over and over again. And I'm telling you, he has more for you in 2024 than ever before if you will move out the old to get the new. So forget the former things. Don't let your mind dwell on the past victories and blessings. Move uh, move out the old to make room for the new. Don't dwell on past failures. Remember who God is. And number four, Press into the new things God has planned for us and you this year. Don't let anything keep you from making room for the new. Now, there are lots of examples in the Bible of people who pressed in. By the way, that word press, it means to to, uh, 
lean in, and it means also to chase after. That's what it does. It gives us a picture of chasing after the things of God. So one of them is Daniel, uh, an example. Daniel, he pressed in three times a day in prayer. He could be found in his upper room going after God, and he saved the nation of Israel from extinction. And then there was David. He pressed into God with worship. I'm telling you this because we all need to do these same things. If we want to see the new, you need to press in to worship. David wrote most of the psalms or songs that we read about. Then there's the woman who, who pressed through the crowd to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, and she got healed. So I love this quote by Dallas Willard as he was talking about pressing into the grace of God. He said this, grace is opposed to earning, but grace is not opposed to effort. I say this to all of us. Paul said it this way. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. If you want to grow in Christ, if you want the new, you've got to jump in, get in prayer, get in the word, get in worship, and go after God with all your hearts. Paul wrote it this way also in Philippians 3. He said, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that... I have already reached perfection, but I press on. And he says, to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear children, brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the grace or into the race, not the end of the grace, into the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ, Christ Jesus, is calling us. So press on means to pursue and to give chase to those things. So how do we press on? Here's what you need to write down, and then we'll be done. Press into his promises. I don't have time to go through all these, but let me just say this. If you want to know his promises, read his word, yeah. all right? And it says this in Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. So just so you know this, he promises you rest. He promises you uh, to answer your prayers. He promises protection. He, he promises to give us eternal life. All right, so just, just read his word and you'll be going, I claim that for my life. Okay, the next part of pressing in is press into his people. I don't know if you know this, but we need each other. The truth is, if you show, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. So you need to be thinking about who are my friends and are they leading me in the right place? Because when you get the right friends, you'll get the right voices, and those voices will help you make the right choices. Wrong friends will help you make wrong choices. So right voices determine right choices. For some of you, you need to get into a small group in 2024. And I would just say this, get involved in CR. Get involved in different things. Whatever you're struggling, get into it. Press into his promises. Press into his people. Lastly, press into his presence and power. You've heard me mention the surrender prayer Almost every year, the last number of years, I've mentioned this, but it's changed my life. And it, it's also called the first 15. 
five minutes of prayer, five minutes of worship, and five minutes in the word. If you do that every day, it'll change your life, especially the first 15. And there's nothing like the presence of God like Lois talked about when she got up here. There's nothing like, just give me Jesus. There's Holy Spirit, speak to me today. So let me tell you a little bit about where God's taking us for the new in 2024. You don't have to write these down, just listen. He's taking us into the new remodel. Okay, we've never, the remodels aren't new, but they're new for us in this sense, and that end of the building. And just so you know, 20 some guys yesterday and one gal demolished the other end down there, and we, it's, it's ready for the new. It's amazing. So we're going to have a new room with, for kids with sensory perception. By the way, we've taken in 33,000. We only need 37 more. All right. We're going to make a new room for the, uh, our, our youth. We're going to have a new room for the college and beyond. Uh, here's something that I think we've never done before, but it's going to be new for us. We're going to do some pop-up worship services in different places. And I'm excited about it. We can just call it presence pop-up is what we're going to call it. And we're going to show up, and I'll let you know the dates probably in the next few weeks and the buildings where we'll do this. And then we're going to have some new resurrection teaching with the prophetic gifts coming at the end of the month, January 26th through 28th. In February and part of March, we're going to be going through the book of Ruth because we're going to be dealing on relationships. And then March is Easter. I think we'll be calling that, I'm not sure yet, but this, this thought keeps going through my mind, found fishing, all right? Anyway, and we're also going to be bringing in Dylan Jones from Portland to equip us on worldview and how to know what you believe and why you believe it, all right? Also, a new series in April after Easter uh, called Inviting Jesus to the Table, and I think you'll enjoy that. Anyway, lots more coming. We'll let you know about it. Let's stand. I want to read this verse one more time. Just listen, Isaiah 43, 19. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. So our God is doing something new. And I hope you and I can see it this morning. Don't miss what God has in store for you, all right? Now, every head bowed, every eye closed. In a moment, I'm gonna ask some of you to raise your hand to make a commitment to Jesus or to come back to Jesus because you've been a prodigal maybe for years. He's here to rescue from the old and to make you a new creation. The old will pass away and all things become new. So maybe today, there's some old that needs to be removed from your life. Maybe today, there are some former things that you're stuck in. It's because you've been doing it without Jesus. Maybe you served God at one point, but somehow you chose the old life over the new one and you st- that you started a long time ago. Or maybe today, it's your first time to meet Jesus, but you know he has a great plan for your life. So if that's you today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I need Jesus in my life, or I need to come back to him. Raise him high so I can see him. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I love it. It's awesome. All right, here's what we do here. 
You're not on this on your own. We're doing this together, all right? You give your life to Jesus by faith. You believe in your heart. And then what we do is we pray together by faith. And then we're going to help you grow in your walk with the Lord. Say this with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, and all my failures. Come into my life and be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my King. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now, if that's you this morning, come up and tell somebody. We're going to sing one last song. If I can have prayer folks up here, come up and tell somebody they want to pray for you. Any needs, they want to pray for you this morning. But we want to help you get started on your walk. So come up and let somebody know. They'll give you some materials. Let's worship for a moment.